Bangay is an internationally acclaimed leading Australian garden designer and these are his Garden Rudimentals, a blueprint series on the basics of garden craft. I'm perched on a couch in the Paul Bangay's Pagola. Hello, Paul. How are you? Very well indeed. We're having a series of conversations, garden rudimental-wise, uh, on, on inspiration in the garden. Last time we talked about Paul's method as, as a designer. If that intrigues you, that episode's for you on the ABC Listen app. And Paul, when you travel, I imagine you make a, a beeline for botanic gardens and the like. I mean, I'm, it's funny because I, I come back and show friends our photos of our trips and all of these <laughs> gardens, <laughs> gates, paving, <laughs> doors, you know, they go, that looks the most boring trip of all time. All we do is go visit gardens, really. That's, you know, our, our whole tourism is based on gardens. Interesting that that idea of the, the, the detail that you are taking pictures of, it's not broad sweep, it's how does not. that, how does the, those bits of rock go together with that little well, bit of paving there? Well, I think broad sweep's a wonderful thing to see, and I think you're better experiencing that in person. Mm. But for me, I need to, br bringing back details is really important, like... You know, how big was that gate and how many planks wide was it? And I can't remember that, but the photograph tells me all those sort of things. Yes. Have you ever put a search into your photo album gates? I have not. <laughs> what does it do for yours? It works. It brings up gates. <laughs> so, just, by, just while we're sitting here on the sofa quickly, mm. if we can, how wonderful is it to sit under a pergola on a hot summer's day? Perfect. Because last time I went to Italy, I had to write one of my books and I sat under this pergola and wrote it and I thought... There's inspiration for you. Words came very freely and easily. Does this one work in the same way? Well, I haven't tried writing out here, but sitting here today, it's quite <laughs> inspirational, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, as you travel, as you look at things, do you often have things in mind or is it just, you know, whatever strikes you? No, it's whatever strikes me. And, and I think that, you know, you get tantalised by the thought of going to visit a garden. Like you'll see, you'll see in the magazine here or you'll hear about it or someone will tell you about it and you just get so excited to go visit that garden. And you might base, well, we base our whole trips around garden destinations where we know there's a garden we want to visit quite often. Give us a, a, a typical Paul and Barry garden itinerary. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, for Italy, I think probably the most beautiful garden in the world, this is a big order, is Nympha, which is just outside Rome. Now, that's open one Sunday a month. So you, <laughs> you, <Okay. laughs> you really need to design your whole trip around that one garden. Tell me about the garden. It's created from an old abandoned village. I think, I can't remember if it's 13th, 14th century village that's been abandoned and it's all crumbling. So all the buildings, all the villas are all crumbling down. But running through the middle of this village is the most perfect chalk stream. So it's perfectly clear. You can see the bottom. Mm. And that is a garden itself. It's just full of all these wonderful water plants. Right. Not ab above, above water, but below water as well. I mean, it's a garden. You just stand there and the water's so clear. And the plants just amazing. They move so beautifully in the water. That's part of the charm. But what the creator of this garden did was buy this old village and turn it into the most romantic garden of all time. So all these buildings are dripping in wisteria or climbing roses, or at their base they have feet of, like, millions of wild irises. And it's just the most unruly but ro most romantic garden in the world. It really is. I'm just thinking of the effort in all of that too. Well, I don't, I don't know how much effort is involved in that. Like, I think they just planted those things and let them do what they wanted to do. I mean, we've said this before, you know, a casual garden is often quite hard to sort of plan and implement and look after. But I got a funny feeling this one, they just let all these climbers, it's mostly about climbers 
rambling over old bridges and buildings. They just let them do their own thing. So what would you photograph there? Probably the buildings dripping in roses and what type of roses they are, well, you know, the wisteria or, you know, what type of wisteria it is. You're also fond of a cold climate. Yeah, cold climates are good for plants. <laughs> Should we stay in Italy? Oh, why not? So I've just got a few more of, in, in Italy. La Foce. Which is where? La Foce is just south of Florence. And it's a wonderful, uh, it was only created last century, very formal Italian garden, but created on top of this hill. It all sort of directs you down to this wonderful point of Cyprus that form this wonderful point to a peninsula in the garden and then the views beyond that. And I think probably everyone has seen this one, it's probably gone around Instagram a million times, this lovely sort of curvaceous driveway that winds its way up a hill with pencil pines dotted along it. That's the driveway at La Foce. And so it's iconic, this garden. Everyone loves the drive more than they love the garden, almost. <laughs> What's this thing? Silvio Pellico in Turin. Mm -hmm. Now, it's open every now and then. You've got to really research this. Russell Page, my favourite garden designer in the entire world, created this garden. And it's very formal. It's a series of parterres. But the way he laid this garden out and got the proportions exactly right, the width of the stairs, doing a lovely Roman staircase down, the size of the, of the hedges and the parterres. He's got a lovely pond at the bottom, which is rectangular and full of water lilies. Everything about this garden screams perfect proportion. So, you know, if you want to see a genius at work, that's the, that's the place you go and see that. The Villa d'Este at Tivoli, have you been there? No. Oh, so it's that, it's, you know, it's up at Tivoli, it's outside, just outside Rome again. It's that really famous one with all the different fountains. It's the, the really famous fountain is the, the fountain of a hundred heads, where it's a big long trough with a hundred heads and they're all squirting water into this, into this big long trough. I'd figure you'd like that sort of quantity, you know, not, uh, not 20 heads. 100. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the patina and the antiquity of it all is the, is the wonderful thing about it. All those heads are dripping in moss, so they've almost been obliterated, the detail in them, and it's all just green maidenhair fern and moss. I mean, that just makes it so beautiful. It's, it's super formal, but at the same time, it's got this lovely romance to it as well. Isn't that funny how, you know, super formal can be broken up by stuff time. like decaying stone? Yeah, or, time. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure when they say you, you went back and looked at ancient Rome, all that marble was painted like in garish colours. And now we go look at it. It's tacky, all... tacky, tacky. Apparently it was. <laughs> and now we look at it, it's also romantic and crumbling and, and, you know, got that wonderful sense of antiquity. All right, where are we off to next? Um, I think we go to England. Can we go pop we may. to England? Yes. Um, so I think that Great Dickstar, created by Christopher Lloyd, is one of the best gardens in England. It's one of those gardens you can keep going back to. So a lot of gardens people will visit and they've done it and they don't probably need to go back again because they're quite static. The National Trust have frozen mm. them in time. Mm. This is not run by the National Trust. It's run by its own trust. It's got a, a famous gardener there called Fergus Garrett who inherited the garden or the looking after the custodianship of the garden from Christopher Lloyd. And he's just as experimental as Christopher Lloyd was. So he's always experimenting with the garden, with the planting scheme. The architecture stays the same. It's got wonderful sort of big old yews in the shapes of peacocks and all those sort of things. It's got Lutchen's house. <laughs> just a simple touch. <laughs> experimenting with the planting schemes. <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> and... Uh, so much so that the paths have now come down to about 300 wide okay. and you have to fight your way through the plant material. It's quite exciting. I think that's a really interesting thing too. I mean, you talk about National Trust and so forth. I mean, and there must be great pressure 
on an historic garden yeah. to keep that as it was. Yes, you know exactly. And they, they, there's a great battle. I mean, so the next one, probably Sissinghurst, is a great example. Well, it's of an that. example of that. Yeah, let's put some red tulips in the in the white garden. <laughs> And, they, and the National Trust do like to freeze them in time. Yep. And so Vita Sackville West's grandson, Nigel, actually um, battled with the, with the National Trust to be able to let the garden evolve. And they've, they've now freed up and they're letting that garden evolve. So Dan Pearson, one of my great design heroes, contemporary design heroes, has now put a Greek garden in Sissinghurst. And so apparently Vita, when she visited Greece, just she went to Delos and absolutely loved the feeling of it. And she always wanted to bring it back to Sissinghurst. She tried it. It failed. Now they have actually made it happen. And it's not a copy of what Vita wanted. It's, it's Dan Pearson's interpretation of what she wanted. Rousham is my favourite garden in England. It's William Whereabouts? It's in Oxfordshire. Um, and it is done by William Kent. So you know William Kent was the famous sort of architect and, and um, furniture designer. Mm-hmm. He actually designed this garden. And so it's just, it's, it's wonderful. You go, this great big sort of stately home and then you use a big formal lawn and then you sort of just go down very insignificant paths and it opens up to this woodland. And all it is is clipped um, cherry laurel at a certain height, like it's about waist height, right through the whole thing, and he's, and he's sort of carved paths in it, but paths with lovely vistas at the end, so lovely sort of um, gothic ruins or, or pavilions with statues in them. Sounds kitsch, but it's absolutely not, and it follows this riverbank all the way along, and it's just magical. It really is seriously magical, and it's wow. perfectly intact. They've restored it and looked after it incredibly well. Really incredible. They have such beautiful things to visit because they... It, it's place, but it's I don't know that 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 other level of of detail and intrigue and yeah, and it's, being in a place, but also exploring this yeah other world of a garden. And in it's a place. A, and it's a whole different garden world. Like it's a different style to anything that you yes. ever see or yeah. expect anywhere else. That's the wonderful thing about it. And you don't know it's there until you go down. Honestly, it's just like a little dirt path that takes you down, and all of a sudden you're in this magical woodland. It's incredible. But on that thing of, of sort of inspiration, I mean that idea, what to do to create woodland, or that sort of that idea of the clipped yeah. sort of monoculture yeah. within that space and yeah. the possibilities of that. that yeah. That's an inspiring idea. Really inspiring, isn't it? Like I think that I think that probably the trees were there. So he had a woodland and thought, well, what could I do with this? And then thought, I know, I'll c- cover it in a carpet of Portug- of, of uh, cherry laurel and clip it. And so you get this sort of informality of the placement of the trees with the formality of the clipped underneath. Wow. Yeah. And oh, the, the other thing is, guys, this wonderful rill that goes all the way through it. If, you, if anyone wants the That's water, by the way. perfect <laughs> rill, like this is the ultimate for garden designers is the perfect rill. And there's a sort of a battle amongst garden designers to create the perfect rill. We've, we've, got, we've attempted to do it here at Stonefields with the, with the channel of water and the snakes, but the one at, at um, Rousham is on a whole different level. It's, it's probably like four or 500 metres long and it's stone-carved channels of water that then sort of, they're punctuated with lovely hexagonal ponds that sit in a clearing in the wood. I mean, it's really, yeah, everyone's got to do this garden if they can. When, when you think of all the things that humans might do with time and fortune, you know. <laughs> the creating garden's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. If you've got that opportunity, why wouldn't you, why would you give that a go? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're still enjoying it 200 years later. Yes. Yeah. Where, where to next? Oh, yes. Okay, next. We'll stay in, can we stay in England for a little bit? We longer? may. Um, Ensley, which is a hotel 
Ensley, E-N-D-S-L-E-I-G-H. Ensley. If you've been busy scribbling down notes, dear listener, um, I, I will ask Paul to give me all these. Okay, dear. And we'll, uh, on, the, on the website, on the blueprint page of the Radio National website, there will be a little thing you can click so and get this list. It was an old hunting lodge. It's been converted into a hotel. Mm. Um, beautifully converted, not pretentious, very humble, uh, but b- very comfortable. And it's, got, it's in the Humphrey Repton Garden. And so it's this magical sort of formal garden around the house. But then again, it dives down into this valley and it's got big, huge gunner ponds, cascades of water, um, beautiful alleys of trees. It's just a really perfect Humphrey Repton garden that's been rest- perfectly restored recently. So if you want to stay in a hotel that's in a beautiful garden, that's Ensley. Good tip. Gravetide's the other one, Gravetide Manor in Sussex, which was the home of William Robinson. And that's been beautifully looked after. Beautiful hotel, beautiful restaurant in a beautiful garden. And all the food grown from the most perfect wall garden in England, I think. So that's beauty and paddock to plate. Mm, good things to eat. And then I thought, well, maybe we should stay in Australia. Okay. Because we don't necessarily need to go overseas to see beautiful guys. Harder in Australia. This is the thing about Australia. Is that because they're locked away or because they're not there? <sighs> well, we're, we're, try- we're really trying to develop it. Garden tourism in Australia doesn't really exist, does it? Mm. Not as much as it does overseas. Yeah, I mean, open garden schemes and so on. It failed. It closed. Oh, and now it's just oh. starting up again now. So it's, you know, the Open Garden Scheme was fabulous in Victoria, but it did. It, it, it closed down, sadly, and was great. Um, but we have Cruden Farm, mm-hmm. which is the home of Dame Elizabeth Murdoch that I'm actually sit on, I'm a trustee for, so I'm giving it a bit of a plug. But that's but, well worth visiting. But tremendously popular. I mean, it shows the, you know, the, the potential of this of garden travelling as an idea because people love going there. That's right. And the thing is, that's, that's a garden that the creator lived in for 80 years. Yes. So she, there's oak trees that there. That oak tree that she planted. Yes. 80 years old. She sat under that oak tree at 80 years old. How magical is that? Um, Cranbourne Botanic Gardens, I think one of the best gardens in the world. It is an absolute treat. The, the shapes, the, the, the... It's just mind-blowing, isn't it? I, the I, art that they have made I know. There. I look at it and think it's just like a wonderful, great big painting, isn't it? Mm. I mean, the way they use the coloured gravel and the plants in the same, that sort of swirling pattern they do on such a mm. huge scale. This is all, of course, Australian native plants. Yes. It's, it's the companion garden to Tim Entwistle's yes. Royal Botanic Gardens in, in, right. in the city. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. It, 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 that is a very special place. One of the best in the world, and it's, mm. it's sitting on our doorstep, so that, that's another great one to visit. If you're in New South Wales, Mayfield is the one big garden that's open there. That's a was a private garden. It's up at Oberon, so it's a bit of a slip out of Sydney. But it, it is worth visiting. It's it's the vision of one man who created this garden on such a huge scale. It's such a big scale. Um, it's that's well worth visiting. Cool climate garden, Bickley Vale. Edna Walling's little village she created out, you know, at, at, at past Croydon in Melbourne. That opens every now and then. And I, I went to it a couple of years ago. I was sort of blown away by these houses. She, she made the houses. She made the garden. People are still living in them and still gardening the way she wanted them to garden. And it's a real community there. And that's, that's really worth going out to see. The idea of, of visiting the garden, of, of keeping your eyes peeled, of looking for those details, yeah. getting out your plant app, that's it. seeing what's that. And, and, and can I tell you the best, the best thing to take if you're a garden tourist is a tape measure. Oh. So I always have a tape measure in my pocket. I'm always measuring the width of a step or the, or the breadth of a step, the height of a door, the height of a gate. You know, tape you, measure is the best thing because a photograph doesn't, doesn't give that to you. You know your phone will do that. 
No. I'll show you later. Really? Yes. Okay, I'm very excited now. <laughs> <laughs> we will put Paul's garden list uh, up on the, on, the, on the blueprint page at the Radio National website. Before we go, Paul, you're giving us quotes. Gardening is the slowest of the performing arts. Who said that? Max Griswold. Well done, Max. He's still alive. Thank you, Paul. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.